The Third Vanderbilt, the Monday Morning Memo for October 23, 2023. I bought an old oil painting. It's not a large painting or an important one, but it came from the private collection of the founder of the Whitney Museum. I bought it because I've always admired Cornelius Vanderbilt and his great-grandson, Willie K. Vanderbilt II, and I consider the delightful Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney, the great-granddaughter of Cornelius, to be the third truly interesting Vanderbilt. The first Vanderbilt. The fourth of nine children, Cornelius was in the first grade when George Washington died. At 16, he borrowed $100 from his mother to buy a little sailboat to haul passengers and freight between Staten Island and New York City. By the time he was 40, the Vanderbilt fleet was hauling passengers and freight to ports all along the Atlantic coast, earning Cornelius the nickname Commodore. He then began buying up struggling railroads and turning them around. The difference between Vanderbilt and his competitors was that his boats and trains ran on schedule, and the service was always excellent. If Cornelius Vanderbilt was running an airline today, you would no longer dread going to the airport. The Second Vanderbilt Willie K. Vanderbilt II was often seen covered in grease with an automobile engine spread out in pieces around him. Young Willie K. outran Henry Ford in 1904 to set a new world land speed record of 92 miles an hour. Later that year, Willie held the first Vanderbilt Cup auto race and single-handedly changed the course of American automaking. By offering a first prize of about a million dollars by today's standards, Willie Kay inspired more than 3,000 entrepreneurs to leap to the task of manufacturing stronger, better, faster cars. The Vanderbilt Cup was discontinued after its seventh year because the crowds of more than 400,000 spectators could no longer be safely controlled. He then built a modest home for himself with an excellent wharf and boathouse. His energy was forever after focused on marine life in all its strange and wonderful forms. Every day was a new adventure in the waters of the deep. Prior to his death in 1942, Willie K. Vanderbilt II discovered and documented 68 New species of ocean life previously unknown to science. The third Vanderbilt. Gertrude Vanderbilt married a thoroughbred horse breeder named Harry Whitney when she was 21 years old. Harry was a descendant of Eli Whitney, the inventor of the cotton gin in 1839. Shortly after she got married, Gertrude began studying sculpture in Paris with Auguste Rodin. Her love of the arts, her skill as a sculptor, and her Vanderbilt fortune allowed Gertrude to become one of the world's foremost collectors of art. Her artistic fever inflamed New York's Greenwich Village and caused it to burn brightly as a new Bohemia in the early 1900s. 
1931, Gertrude donated 600 of her most precious paintings to create the Whitney Museum of American Art. She kept only a few paintings for her private collection at home. Penny and I planned to hang the one we bought in Alchemy, the Renaissance Coffee and Cocktail Bar, being built by our son Rex. The painting is of two young women in a kitchen, painted in that style for which Franz van Mieris is famous. If those women aren't twins, they are obviously sisters. When you visit Wizard Academy next year, perhaps alchemy will be completed, and you'll see it there. Aru, Roy H. Williams. Oh, of the 111 descendants of Cornelius Vanderbilt, I consider Timothy Oliphant, the actor, to be the fourth Vanderbilt, and Anderson Cooper, the broadcast journalist, to be Vanderbilt number five. You can see the entire list on Wikipedia. Just type in Vanderbilt family, and it will be there. Today's promo is brought to you by our friends behind the Pine Curtain, in East Texas, that is. In 1855, Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote in his journal, If a man has good corn or wood or boards or pigs to sell, or can make better chairs or knives, crucibles or church organs than anybody else, you will find a broad, hard-beaten road to his house, though it be in the woods. In time, his words were somehow conflated as the oft-cited quote, Build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. Karina Ramirez Cahan is testing Emerson's thesis, having worked with her husband, a respected breast surgeon, to build a better bra. Relying on a patented polymer insert that eliminates the need for rigid underwires, Karina promises that her bra will be the most comfortable, supportive, and flattering bra her customers have ever worn. But as she tells roving reporter Rothbart, a lesson relevant to all budding inventors and entrepreneurs, she's still awaiting the horde of customers that Emerson forecast. Why don't you beat a path on over to mondaymorningradio.com?